0: Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett.
1: And welcome to the Audio Imaginario. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather round the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Carlos Cagina is my technical producer tonight. Ryan White is the live stream producer. And yes, we are live streaming on our YouTube channel, Strange Planet. Now, we're going to take a break from the coronavirus tonight. I think we could all use a bit of a diversion. But very quickly, having said that, my strategy for dealing with coronavirus, COVID-19, the pandemic, wash your hands, don't panic, turn off the TV. Except for Vision TV, of course. All right. I say we're taking a night off from coronavirus, but I can't promise these next two hours will be any less frightening. The Brothers Fall, filmmakers Justin and Wes Fall, are standing by to discuss their new documentary, Higher Entities, The Lost Tapes. And they will be here for the full two hours, the entire program, and we will open the phone lines for questions and comments in Hour 2. Before that, have you checked out my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited, yet? Same great topics and guests as this radio program. New episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify. Go to ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. I wanted to share something else with you before we get rolling here. Not sure if you're familiar with the Daily Star Online out of the uh, United Kingdom, but on Friday, someone uh, uh, tweeted this, sent me a, a notification. On Friday, March 13th, the Daily Star ran a story on an exorcist who was discussing uh, how he witnessed a woman supposedly possessed by a demon who was levitating for six hours up near the ceiling. She was basically holding on to the ceiling for six hours. And that exorcist, quoted in the Daily Star online in the UK, is Bishop Ron and Enright. And that may sound familiar to you because he was recently on the program. In fact, the Daily Star attributed the story to this very program. They mentioned the conspiracy show with Richard Serrett Raitt in the opening paragraph. And I've tweeted that story uh, with a link to the Daily Star online, as well as a link to the particular episode of The Conspiracy Show, where you can hear the entire interview I did with Bishop Fail Enright. Again, that's up on, on my uh, my Twitter feed, and that is at Richard Serrett. At Richard Serrett, S-Y, because I love you, R-E-T-T. Now, speaking of demonic, uh, my next guests have pieced together a harrowing story involving a secret government UFO program. Jack Parsons, the founder of JPL, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, infamous occultist Alistair Crowley, and L. Ron Hubbard. After years of research and countless interviews with witnesses, their conclusion is rather stark. The U.S. government is aware that UFO and alien abduction phenomena have nothing to do with extraterrestrials, and everything to do with the demonic realm. Justin and Wes Fall are veteran researchers and filmmakers specializing in the areas of theology, world religion, the occult, and supernatural paranormal phenomena with a biblical perspective. The two are writers, directors, and producers of Fall Brothers Productions. Justin is the founder and host of the Fourth Watch Radio Network, and their new documentary from Fourth Watch Films is Higher Entities... The Lost Tapes, Justin and Wes Fall, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you?
2: Richard, thank you. For Richard, having- hey. Thank you so much, brother. It's good to be back with you again.
1: Yeah, it's great to talk to both of you. Uh, we were uh, recently together on Coast to Coast AM, and uh, we had uh, such a, an enjoyable time. We thought we'd re- reprise that conversation here tonight over the next two hours. So let me just invite either of you to jump in at any point. Uh, Justin, West. don't be shy. I'm not going to direct these questions to anyone in particular, but whoever wants to take the ball and run with it, please do so. Let's begin this story in the 1940s. Tell us a little bit about one of the co-founders of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, Jack Parsons. Who was
2: he? Jack Parsons is a man who had brought so much to the table in his lifetime that without his work, Without the technology breakthroughs that that came through his hands, uh, we would not have the NASA that we have today. We would not have jet propulsion. I'm not saying somebody else would not have come along likely down the road, but so much of what we have today with our technology, military applications, rocket technology, NASA, uh, so much of this, Richard – Uh, came through the hands of Jack Parsons, I think it's really important to also note that Jack Parsons was not formally trained. Okay, this is kind of a uh, kind of a little spooky uh, little nugget. This is a guy that brought more technology breakthroughs than anybody else that I've ever heard of in history, yet he had no formal training. And it's interesting that he literally was channeling He he was involving himself when he was not in the lab. Uh, Imagine, if you will, you have a hard worker and he's working in the lab and then he goes home like everybody goes home and they, they kick their feet up. They have a beer. They watch TV, but not Jack Parsons. Jack Parsons goes home and he engages in sex magic rituals. While everybody else is having dinner and everybody else is cozied up around the fire, the radio, Jack Parsons is out communicating with spirits, inviting spirits into his body, seeking spirit guides, seeking technology to be given through rituals. We're talking black magic. We're talking black magic, sex magic. We're talking taking rituals that were written about by Aleister Crowley. And then he was taking those rituals and even uh, creating addendums. <laughs> I mean, this is a guy that was literally taking rituals from Aleister Crowley, and he was reworking them himself. And Aleister Crowley seemed to be totally OK with it, uh, because later on, Aleister Crowley actually set him up as the head of one of the Thelemic Orders uh, in his area in California. For
1: it- those not familiar with Aleister Crowley, perhaps one of the most nefarious characters in all of history, which he delighted in. He was, as you mentioned, with the Dual Society and a Thelema. Well, it was an occultic. Yes, exactly. So this was a practitioner of the dark arts, Aleister Crowley.
3: He was a Luciferian Moses.
1: A Luciferian Moses. Interesting. Did Parsons and Crowley ever meet? Now, we
2: do believe that they did meet, yes. We believe that there was a meeting that took place, could not have been uh, a whole lot before Parsons blew himself up. I I don't want to jump too far ahead on there. But what we do know, uh, whether they met or not, because I can't prove that they met, there's speculation. What we do know is that there were uh, at least a couple letters addressed from Crowley to Parsons directly. All right. So by day, a
1: rocket scientist, not formally trained, and at night, a practitioner of black magic, sex magic, the dark arts, basically. Okay. So there's also an affiliation with the founder of Scientology and the uh, science fiction writer, L. Ron Hubbard. How does he fit in with Parsons and Crowley?
3: Both of them were disciples of Crowley. And so they were uh, they were working their way up into the, the higher orders of that. It's very compartmentalized and very demonic at its base. But you um, you had this, we're, all, we're working our way towards this Babylon working ritual, which both Parsons and Hubbard uh they performed. And it was, um, it was taking what Alistair Crowley had done in the Amelantra working. And I believe that was 1918 and the, uh, and in, in Giza, I believe it was. And so when that happened, just to kind of go back a little bit and then move forward, um, he, he was successful in bringing over this entity lamb. So back in 1918, Crowley successfully opened up a portal, ripped the hole in time and space time. And this entity lamb came through. And, and he was also successful. I don't know if it was the same ritual or if it was something different, but he had a, another entity, uh, Iwas, uh, is what he called them, uh, that came through too. So, so we have Crowley that was successful in, in all of his workings and, you know, called himself the beast. He, he prided himself in this. And so from him, you have uh, just the two that we're focusing on, two of his disciples, uh, Parsons and Hubbard, and then they performed – this is through um, the mid to, to late. I think it was, there's different dates, and, and you can kind of try to uh, nail it down. But I believe it was uh, 45, 46 is when the Babylon working ritual was taking place. And the crazy thing about it and how it ties into the story, you can read about it in Parsons' own biography. He says that they were successful in bringing across the goddess of Babylon and incarnating her in human form.
1: Okay, so let me just circle back here for a second, because there's some people who may not be fully aware of who uh, Aleister Crowley was. This Amalantra ritual that he performed at the the Great Pyramid of Giza in Egypt, these are demonic entities he's hoping to bring through this portal, correct? I mean, I don't have my book of demonology in front of me, but those two that you mentioned, Lamb and the other one, are they demons?
3: um, Yeah. You get down to semantics on, um, you know, are they demons or are they fallen angels? I think it's going to differ between the person that you you speak to about it. But uh, I believe, you know, taking on human form, taking on a physical form, um, I would have to say that they're, they're not demons. They're definitely demonic in nature, but that they are either, you know, fallen angels or what we call higher entities.
1: Higher entities, the name of the new documentary from Justin and Wes Fall from Fourth Watch Films, Higher Entities, The Lost Tapes. All right, so Jack Parsons wanted to basically replicate the amalantra ritual did he do it at jpl at the laboratory itself
2: we actually have reason to believe that when they were doing these rituals in a series of rituals we believe that it was taking place out in the desert in the california desert we don't have any evidence to show that they were doing it inside of a lab per se but we do have evidence that they were going out into the desert quite frequently that they were doing some testing out there Actually, Jack Parsons spent quite a bit of time in the desert doing some of his brick-and-mortar testing on rockets. But again, he was doing a lot of this stuff off the record, He didn't even get connected with academia until later on. We have to remember that when you don't have credentials, you can have the best science in the world, but without credentials, you're not just going to walk right up inside of these elite academia meetings. So it was a process for him, and and that's something that doesn't really pertain to this story so much, but I want to throw that in there, that he had to do a lot of this stuff kind of in the dark until he got more widely accepted.
1: And do we know why, Jack Parsons, what the purpose, his motive was for trying to summon this entity through this portal using the babylon working ritual
2: absolutely i I think we have a pretty good understanding of this jack parsons as with many occultists they believe the bible richard i know this is going to sound absolutely crazy to someone listening right now but there are a lot of people who practice magic and they fully believe the bible with all of their heart except they believe that their god is going to win in the end so they they look at the bible as totally true they just look at it as, you know, basically it's going to end differently than the, than the Bible says. They look at it as historical. It's definitely a spiritual book, but they say that God and Jesus, that that is actually the opposite force, the evil force, and that Lucifer is the underdog. You know, at the beginning of time, Lucifer was the good guy. He's basically been uh, misunderstood. So with that mindset... Jack Parsons knew what the end times prophecies declared. And, you know, you get into this idea of the final Babylon, the Babylonian system. That's going to be the final Babylon. And you get into this horror Babylon. You get into this idea of these crazy spiritual principalities that the Bible talks about that are going to be unleashed on the face of the earth during this last time. Notice that what we call the great tribulation and, He knew that this was going to happen, and I think he was trying to get a head start in trying to summon what he believed to be a physical manifestation of this Babylonian whore, this this harlot. Depending on what Bible translation you're using, uh, she's known as a great whore or a harlot. But here's the thing. Parsons really believed that this was going to come to fruition. He just didn't believe that the Bible had the ending correct. And so Parsons and Hubbard wanted to bring about this Babylonian whore, this personification, if you will. And they believed that this entity was going to come through the portal and that it was going to impregnate, that there was going to be something in the sexual act that the woman who got impregnated during this sexual ritual, that the child she was going to give birth to was going to be the moon child. Okay, Now, Alistair Crowley talked about the moon child. They believed that the moon child was going to come through and that, interestingly, that it was going to be a woman who was going to rise up to fame and power. She was going to be charismatic. She was going to be doing all sorts of political moves, changing the way things were, international status. And they believed she was literally going to help usher in this final world ruler that the Bible calls the Antichrist. Parsons knew that. He believed it. He wrote about it in his writings. And what's crazy is that this entity declared to be Hilarion. Now, Hilarion, this is crazy. Matter of fact, when people go to our uh, our Vimeo channel, we have just released a director's cut of a new film. We've not released it yet through Fourth Watch Films, and it gets into a deeper understanding of Babylon working. But what we do is we break down why all signs point to Hillary Clinton as being this child that was
1: born. <laughs> yeah, the Hillary- dates are about right. I mean, that would coincide. I'm not sure how old she is. Is she 72, 73?
2: A, a year later, she was born.
1: Ah. OK,
2: there's a lot of very strange information we break down in another film on that. But I just want to drop that info out there that they were not trying to bring about the Antichrist. They were trying to bring about someone who was going to be a forerunner, someone who was going to be almost a John the Baptist of the Antichrist, who was going to really help pave the way for this spiritual, political, religious entity to kind of enter into the scene. All right. In 1947, a couple of years later, we
1: have really the birth of the modern-day UFO phenomena. We have Kenneth Arnold, and we have Roswell, and we have the Aztec UFO incident, a number of other incidents around New Mexico. So what is the connection then between this Babylon working ritual performed out in the desert and what's going on in 1947?
3: So they started to notice, you had Project Blue Book that opened up there, and so there was, they were noticing that there was this influx and in the UFO phenomenon, everything that you just mentioned, Richard. Um, they, they started to take note of that. The government was was watching. Uh, I have to go back to the, and Darren breaks this down in our film, he calls it the used aircraft incident. And so um, Parsons was working with used aircraft at the time, and he, he took some sensitive papers that set off some alarms, and the FBI gets involved. They start... Investigating him and they found out that the Air Force was watching him too. And so the big thing was Parsons came out and said that UFOs were going to be used to convert the world to Kralianity. So that's a pretty in-depth statement there. And so when the documents went missing, the investigation goes into Parsons, they find out about this. They're like, well, maybe there's a connection. And so they approached Parsons. And, uh, they asked him, you know, are, are, are you responsible for this? Because I guess the word of the Babylon working was kind of getting passed around, um, in a small circle. And so, um, he took credit for it. He said, yeah. He said, I think I'm, I'm responsible for it. And so from this, from the, from the FBI's investigation, um, they started a small think tank and this think tank picked up where Blue Book left off. Um, basically it couldn't answer all the questions that they needed. Uh, and the big thing was, what is this? What's the significance of the the Jack Parsons uh, Babylon Working Link? And so this think tank gets sparked. They start looking into it, and we can kind of move into the Collins elite here whenever you want. But that's that's basically where they were birthed. They uh, were part of this small think tank, and they saw the research that was done on Parsons and that it was a satanic ritual. I mean, it was it was a cult ritual by the book, and so they, because of their Christian faith, they had hesitations about it. And there was a just a there was a two different factions. You had some that were like, okay, this is um this is a guaranteed way that we can make contacts," and then others were like, yeah, but this is this is demonic in nature and these are nefarious beings.
2: Right. Now let's, we're coming let's, up in, let's
1: kind oh, up open a break go. here. I just that's all right. We're coming up on a break here in about a minute. I just wanted to get one main point in here before we we break and that is aside from the UFO incursions uh in 47 uh, were people reporting other strange phenomena after this portal was opened uh, by Jack Parsons?
2: Yes. You even have people talking about these strange men in black suits showing up in different places. There was all manner of strange phenomena taking place. And think about it like this it would have been the fall off, you know, or the fallout. This was just something that kind of came through with. The horror of Babylon coming through the portal. This was just some some of the aftermath. This is what was going to happen. Things were going to come through when that portal was opened.
1: All right, we'll uh, leave it there. We'll take a quick timeout. Justin and Westfall from Fourth Watch Films. Their documentary is Higher Entities: The Lost Tapes. Right here on the Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. All right. Welcome back, Justin and Westfall, Fall, veteran researchers, filmmakers, brothers with Fourth Watch Films and their new documentary is Higher Entities, The Lost Tapes. And they uh, draw some interesting uh, parallels or, or connect the dots, rather, between the modern day UFO alien abduction phenomena and occultic rituals performed by the co-founder of JPL Jet Propulsion Laboratories, Jack Parsons, back in the 1940s. He was a devotee or a disciple, if you will, of Aleister Crowley. Likewise, so was L. Ron Hubbard. Supposedly, they performed a ritual in the desert in California, not dissimilar to the Alamantra ritual, which was performed by Crowley at the Great Pyramid of Giza, in which he supposedly brought through some sort of entity, one might argue, that they were demonic. So Parsons performs the Babylon Working Ritual, in order to usher in, I suppose, the arrival of what we would call the Antichrist. But something else came through, in addition, when he opened that, ripped that seam in the uh, time-space continuum, if you will, and inwaltzed other entities. And this gave rise to the UFO phenomenon, starting in '47. And you mentioned there were these two opposing factions within, I'm not sure, the Pentagon. We had on one side those who were, Uh, I guess, like-minded with Parsons. They wanted to continue to communicate with these entities, perhaps strike some sort of Faustian bargain with these entities. And then you had within that group um, Christians, uh, and and they objected to this, and they wanted to put a stop to this. And this is the Collins elite, correct? How did they get their name, the Collins elite?
2: Uh, There's a little bit of a a gray area there. Uh, It has nothing to do with the... uh, the the elite bloodline Collins, you know, that that's that's where people generally their minds go is they think, oh, well, you know, the 13 bloodlines of the Illuminati, but that's not actually the case. Um, the story that we tend to hear. And, and again, listen, there's a lot of things about the Collins elite that people are speculating on because there's so little information. That's why we set out on this journey. Um, but. The, what makes the most sense is that they named him the Collins Elite based on a certain location, uh, where they were meeting. And I'm, I'm probably going to butcher that a little bit because everybody has their own version. Uh, but, but I want to make a quick statement here. Um, if you get, you know, the government is filled with so many different types of people from different backgrounds, different opinions. And if you get a big room of people together in the government and you put them all on, on a case, uh, you know, what you're going to get is a whole lot of different opinions. And you've got the official opinion that's given to everyone, kind of like the official story, and then as the research committees start working, there's gonna be some factions. That's what happened here. Okay, if you could just imagine them sitting you down in a room with a whole bunch of inter we're not talking about just one agency, we're talking about, you know, uh, inter-agency groups, and you're all sitting down and you're getting debriefed on there's countless UFO phenomena taking place. You know, like, Crazy stuff that's never been reported before. People are seeing things that, uh, we're not even seeing in the movies of the 40s, okay? Um, they're seeing technology manifesting in public. They're seeing entities, shadow creatures. Uh, in some cases, there's reports of men in black showing up. Um, all of these different things are taking place, and it's causing a little bit of hysteria, I can imagine, uh, because back in this time period, you know, we're, we're dealing with the old world here. I mean, compared to what things are today. And in this time period, it was a very much, a, America still had a lot of a heavy Christian ethos. You know, there, there was kind of a, a Christian ideal, uh, idealism that was kind of taking place back in that time period. It was a, a little bit more accepted and, and less, um, how can I say this? Less occultic in the mainstream. Today, occultism is popular and it's widely accepted. But back then, it was not quite. And so this was kind of new. And people were realizing in the government, wow, they're, all of these things, all of this technology, th- this amazing technology coming through the hands of Jack Parsons was received through satanic rituals. So they're thinking maybe there's something that we don't know. Now, some people got excited with that. Some people got a little bit on edge. And the ones that got excited, they started out with kind of a mentality of we're going to figure out you know, how they're doing all these things. You know, They wanted to learn and then the people that were concerned, that's where you get this group known as the Collins elite. They had a Christian worldview. They had enough knowledge of the Old Testament and the New Testament to understand that God was not okay with sorcery. God was not okay with channeling. Matter of fact, uh, channeling is mentioned specifically in the Old Testament. You know, it was forbidden. God's people were forbidden to channel any spirits or even to enter into covenant with other gods. These are things that a lot of people in church overlook because pastors want to, you know, give these ear tickling messages. But the Bible actually talks a lot about the demonic, a lot about the supernatural world, and God says you are not allowed to channel and you are not allowed to enter into covenant with other gods. And so the Collins elite said, you know, this is not okay. You know, we need we need to be cautious here. And then they started to witness that inside of these government assigned groups. Uh, by the way, these groups do not exist. We need That's to – fulfill- right. Officially, right, right. Uh, on Coast to Coast, we mentioned that this type of a group was called a limited access program or an LAP. And when you're dealing with a limited access program, Richard, no one in Congress has to know a peep about what's going on. Like limited access literally means it does not exist. And if, if, if the lid gets blown, everybody and never talk about it again. So that's what we're looking at here. This was a limited access program. Inside of the limited access program, the Collins elite are now in a very dangerous territory because these men are now in opposition in their ideology. They're in opposition to what some of the larger group is doing. The larger group is now kind of embarking on trying out satanic rituals of their own. And let me explain why here. Jack Parsons was successful according to his own biography, but here's the thing we have to realize. Jack Parsons was a man of science. He he lived by the scientific method, and so he applied the scientific method into his satanic rituals, which means that he's going to keep doing these rituals until he gets it to work. He, he had faith that Aleister Crowley knew what he was doing, and so he had faith that if Crowley could do it, he could do it. And sure enough, he says by the scientific method he was finally successful, he says it finally took and we opened the portal. The reason that's important to kind of make sure we hash through that here is because in the occult belief, they believe that the person that opens the portal has to be the person to close the portal. Now, in the occult world, people were probably scrambling to know that UFOs and entities were just pouring through this this gateway that got opened. And Jack Parsons blew himself up by accident just a few years later, 1952. Jack Parsons blows himself up in his home laboratory, and so now the guy that officially took the lead in opening this portal, well, he doesn't really have the ability to close the portal, according to the occult belief system. It's like so- a Ouija board. It's like a Ouija board. You have if you if you
1: play the game and you open it, you have to. There's a, 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 a protocol. Well, you have to close
2: it. Otherwise, again, that portal is open. It, it, you know, it's unbelievable how real these things really are, Richard. Uh, you know, so many people, they get uh, watered down by Hollywood. They think it's all movies, they think it's all comic books or sci fi. I'll take a step further. You got people calling this stuff conspiracy theories. And if people would just take a minute to do a little bit of homework, let me tell you something that really blew this open for us. In 1947, July 8th, actually, of 1947. Interestingly, this was uh, just a few days past Independence Day. 1947, FBI document 6751 enters into classification. OK, now I, let me say that one more time. FBI document 6751. This is a document that everybody listening needs to check out. It is declassified. You can download this from the FBI vault. It's it's one of those documents that lets you know just how much they knew back in the 40s, because once we know what they knew, we can better understand why they did what they did and what their agenda was. And furthermore, what their agenda has been and continues today. So 1947, this document, 6751, it explains that these beings are not from outer space, Richard. Uh, Okay, this document explains that these beings Are actually interdimensional beings. Okay? And that these are beings that are not aliens, but they're actually beings that live in in an ethereal plane. Now, certain language gets used that lines right up with theosophy. Uh, You know, Manley P. Hall, Madame Blavatsky, uh, and so many others. And and so, uh, how can I say this? I I really want to try to make this part brief, but this document gets submitted by a, a popular member of academia to the fbi we have to know the fbi gets tons of documents ton, i'm sorry uh, tons of submitted documents now they're not official fbi documents uh, once they get submitted they have to go through a process but they get a lot of warnings they get a lot of phone calls they get a lot of letters a lot of weird ideas probably get dropped off on their doorstep and in 1947 when this document came through it was penned by a prominent member of academia who also was involved in the occult. And he wanted them to know that he had some answers for the, some of the things they were dealing with. Well, the guy that receives this document in the FBI, he immediately classifies it. And then he forwards it to a whole bunch of other elite members of federal agencies. Okay, their eyes only. And then he says, we need to be real careful not to accept this document as fact. He says, because this information was received through supernormal or paranormal means. So all of this information was given to the guy that wrote the document through communication, very much like what Parsons was involved in, communicating with entities, channeling, automatic writing. And so this guy in the FBI says we, you know, we, we should just go ahead and you know cover this up. There's really not a whole lot of merit to it. That's what he said. But then he he classifies it. (laughs) Yeah. So, so if there's no merit to this, why in the world would you classify it, put it under lock and key, and then forward it to all of these upper echelon elite members of the Fed? Great question, and
1: we'll leave it hanging, and we'll pick up on that. Very question. On the other side, with Justin and Wes Fall, Fourth Watch Films, Higher Entities, The Lost Tapes. Back with more. Stay with us. welcome back Justin and Westfall veteran researchers filmmakers brothers fourth watch films and uh, the, the new releases higher entities the lost tapes where they connect the dots between the modern day UFO alien abduction phenomenon and uh, occult practices of Jack Parsons, the co founder of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, uh Alistair Crowley, L. Ron Hubbard, and others. We were talking about FBI document six seven five one. Uh how did you guys find that? Uncover that document?
3: Uh that's one of the uh <laughs> that's one of the awesome things that Chad Riley does for us. Uh one of the many things he does. But um Chad's a uh he's a research guru and he can find we call it the Easter egg hunter. Uh, he can he can find those Easter eggs and <laughs> He was—he he unloaded, um, man, close to 300 um, declassified FBI documents that he found.
1: And so, again, to to repeat, six seven five one is essentially um, an admittance on, on the part of the FBI or the government that the UFO alien abduction phenomenon is not about extraterrestrials; it is about interdimensionals.
3: That's correct. Yeah. Back then there wasn't any, um, the, this little idea of these little green men, you know, coming to, uh, to monitor us and to make sure that we don't blow ourselves up. And, and that, I mean, that, that wasn't even an, even an idea back then. Back then it was like, Hey, this is insane. We need to get to the bottom of it real fast. And they're obviously more advanced than us. So let's do what we can. Yeah. Um, so that's,
1: Right. Let's bring it into the 1950s, because we had that massive uh, UFO flyover, the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. Uh, then at some not too distant uh, future after that, we had this legendary meeting at Edwards Air Force Base between Eisenhower and what what we, we've been told, according to legend, were gray aliens. Tell me about what that was all about. Wes, you want me to
2: grab this? You want to take this?
3: Justin, uh, Justin does, um, have that one down a little bit better than me, but if I could just, just real quick before we go forward, um, we didn't get to mention this when we were on coast to coast, but you know, just, we've, we've gone into Crowley and we've, we've, um, kind of digested him, but, um, Justin mentioned Blavatsky. So you can even go back before her and to sweat and board. This is an old idea. This isn't something that just came up. Crowley said today, we'll call him angels and demons tomorrow. We'll call them something else. Um, so he knew what he was dealing with. Uh, Blavatsky can do the same thing. But Swedenborg, was, um, he was back in the 18th century, and he was visited by angels from Venus. And today they even have a new church, they're calling it, and they teach people how to, how to do the same thing, to contact these you know, beings from, the other, from other planets. Um, but then you move even for, forward uh, from that, uh, from Crowley, you have uh, Lovecraft. You know, he wrote about some of these things. And he drew on Tolema, he drew on uh, Theosophy, Um, and so this idea that these ancient ones who ruled the world millennia ago, um, you know, they left and they're taking a nap somewhere and one day they're going to come back and mankind's going to be toast. And that's, uh, that Derek, uh, Gilbert breaks that down. But the thing I was going to get to, this is pretty important here. Um, Powell's and Bergier, uh, they were, uh, uh, French writers and they picked up on, uh, some stuff that Lovecraft wrote, wrote about. And in the early sixties, they wrote a book called the morning of the magicians. And, This book, um, people may have heard of it; they may not have. But one one book that they have heard of most likely is uh, is von Daniken's *Chariots of the Gods*. Right, and he came out with that book in the late '60s. Um, The crazy thing about this is is that it was so close to Powell's and Bergier's book, *The Morning of the Magicians*, that von Daniken got sued. And so, without the without the *Morning of the Magicians*, you wouldn't have *Chariots of the Gods*. Without Powell's and Bergier. Um, you know, without Lovecraft, you wouldn't have them without it just keeps going back, but it's this old idea. And even in ancient times in Mesopotamia, we were dealing with these, uh, these entities that would come and appear, uh, present themselves to, uh, to men. These were the gods of the nations that the Bible talks about. And if you go back before that, you have the divine council. And so, uh, the disinheriting of the nations, which took place at Babel, um, God appointed the nations to the number of the sons of God. And it sounds like a great thing. They were helping him. Um, but then when they started to receive worship, um, well, it's all been downhill from there. Right.
1: And these sons of God you're talking about are, are fallen angels. Basically, God said he carved out Israel and he said, this is mine. The rest mm-hmm. of it, okay, you fend for yourselves. Uh, basically, the fallen angels are in charge. Exactly.
2: Now, uh, uh, to, think, to think that those fallen angels, Richard, uh, maybe even some of the exact fallen angels uh, that were active doing things back then uh, possibly are some of the same fallen angels that are appearing as these Nordics to some of these government groups that we're talking about. Right. OK, so um, 1953
1: Eisenhower, according to legend. Uh, disappears. We're told it's some sort of emergency dentist uh, procedure, dental procedure, but he's secretly uh, at Edwards Air Force Base meeting with the gray aliens. What okay, was going on up.
2: there? We got we got to drop a little correction here. Uh, first of all, that was actually 1954, and ah, okay. they, they, the gray aliens were not until 1955. So 1954, uh, and here's the thing. The fact is, the information is information. You know, I I like to mention dates just in case people want to go look this stuff up. So, um, you know, that's why I like to give the address. I call it giving addresses. So 1954, that is when uh, Eisenhower... Was at the Ed Edwards Air Force Base, and that is where the big, the, the, the famous conspiracy of Eisenhower's dentist, right? The, the non-existent dentist. And so, what happened was, according to uh, some of the stories that are coming from Eisenhower's family, and again, th- this this first go round, there was not a whole bunch of eyewitnesses as there were at the next. But 1954, they say he has an emergency dentist, uh, a, a dental need, which there there's no record of that, by the way. Uh, he goes to Edwards Air Force Base, and there are two Nordics, two, uh, Nordics that would appear to be probably very attractive, blue eyes, pale skin. Uh, two Nordics met with him, and then there was a third Nordic, according to the story, that was kind of standing afar off a little bit, you know, almost like a door guy, if you will, a security guy. I don't know what you'd call him. It's it's kind of weird, uh, to think that these aliens have, have a guy kind of, you know, running security. I mean, they probably have technology that they could just blast somebody, but anyway, uh, I digress, I'm sorry. Uh Edwards Air Force Base, they meet and the Nordics are trying to work out a deal with Eisenhower. Okay, they want to work out a deal and uh, in turn, basically they were willing to work out a, a deal if um if Eisenhower gave a green light that a guarantee that they were that we as an American government were going to stop playing with nuclear weapons. You know, that was kind of the, the gist of that. Eisenhower wasn't too keen on that idea. Now, a year later, he's at Holloman Air Force Base. Now, I'm going to Holloman- jump in.
1: Justin, i got to jump in right there. There's that music coming up. That means it's time to step away for just a moment. We'll come back, Justin, in Westfall. Fourth Watch Films, Higher Entities, The Lost Tapes, back with more. My name is
0: Richard Serrett. Stay with us. The truth will set you free. But first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarah, Wes and Justin Fall from Fourth Watch Films. Higher Entities is
1: their new documentary, and that takes us on quite a wild ride. From Jack Parsons to Aleister Crowley, L. Ron Hubbard, to the modern-day UFO phenomenon. Um... Before we proceed, let's uh, tell the folks, uh, Wes and Justin, how they can see higher entities, the Lost Tapes.
2: I think the best thing to do is head over to our website, fourthwatchfilms.com. That's all spelled out, F-O-U-R-T-H. W-A-T-C-H-F-I-L-M-S dot com, .com. fourthwatchfilms.com Right now, we're actually still running uh, I think it's like a 20% off deal right now on the combo pack. You can get higher entities, the Lost Tapes, and uh, what I would call our magnum opus film, Hollow Earth Chronicles Episode 1, both of which really do kind of cross over into the same type of information. It's it's very important information, Uh, but Hollow Earth Chronicles, that is one that is definitely for the record books. Both films are available on our website you could stream it you can get DVDs uh, every format is available at the website fourthwatchfilms.com. Fourth, fourthwatchfilms.com
1: all right we were talking about uh, Eisenhower at Edwards Air Force Base in 54 and then uh, he meets with the, there he meets with the Nordics and what was the deal that was struck there
2: so there was not actually a deal struck in 54 uh, there was an attempted deal um but uh, from the the sources that i have they're saying that uh, eisenhower was not willing to shut down the nuclear testing and so uh, he leaves the air force base now we're going to come back to this in just a second uh, because there, there's a really interesting little you know caveat here but 1955 a year later this is the event that more people have come out about over the years uh, apparently there was quite a few eyewitnesses uh, to what took place in 55 so Eisenhower is now meeting with a group of gray aliens, what we would call grays, and they're working at a treaty. Matter of fact, they uh, – according to all the best sources, including Eisenhower's family members uh, and others who, who, who were there, uh, I guess it was in the early 90s maybe, late 80s, early 90s, uh, there was some uh, – I don't know what you want to call this. It, it was not a conference, but there was a gathering where some of these people spoke and it was different than what we see today. Uh it, it almost looked like they were uh, giving a debriefing of what their their knowledge was of this event. Uh but Chad Riley once again found these old VHS uh, video clips of these people giving these uh, uh you know just deconstructing everything that took place. And these I've never heard of any of these guys, but there were quite a few of them all um validating that 1955 a deal was struck by uh by the gray aliens with Eisenhower. And let's not forget that Eisenhower had the Majestic 12 information given to him by Truman when he entered into presidency. That's kind of another interesting thing uh, that he kind of had a head start on the alien program. So this was nothing new to him. And years prior to his presidency, from our research, we find that Eisenhower was very engaged in this type of uh, scenario, uh, getting into the paranormal with otherworldly entities, uh, what we know to be interdimensional. Now, 55 – hollywood air force base they enter into an agreement and this treaty is is pretty interesting because they they did come to some agreements here and uh i I know we talked briefly about this uh on coast to coast but uh just the crash course is that the alien grace uh basically had some terms that they wanted met so one would be that uh, you know our government would not be involved in in the affairs of the aliens and the aliens would not be involved in our affairs they would help us develop our technology Okay, that's kind of a no brainer. Uh, They would not make a treaty with any other nation on Earth. Now, why would they choose America? Right. Maybe we'll come back to that if we have time. Um, So they basically said we're swearing an oath that we will never make another treaty with another nation on Earth. Like you guys are going to get exclusive rights to working with the aliens. Now, they wanted some things in return. Okay, they don't need our technology, but what they do want is that they want to be able to come into our airspace and our into our land. They want to be able to abduct humans for their experiments. But in this, we can't get involved. Again, we can't meddle in in their affairs. We got to let them do what they're going to do. But the government said, okay, we'll let you abduct our people, but you've got to provide us the names of the people that you've abducted. And then they took those names on a list and they submitted that to the Majestic Twelve Committee. Lastly, the public cannot be informed directly about the existence of what they're going to call extraterrestrials. Those were the simple, the uh, simple terms of this agreement. Now, now the obvious question,
1: uh, Justin or Wes, is if these are in fact demonic entities. We're not talking about extraterrestrials. They are. Uh, Otherworldly, they are interdimensional. Why do they need to strike any kind of an agreement? Why don't they just come and take what they want whenever they want?
3: I think it, leads up to the, the, it leads up to the great deception. Um, if you try to force somebody along, I mean, like you can't take a horse for the water, or you can take the horse for the water, but you can't make them drink. You know, so they're going to try to sugarcoat this. And um, and honestly, I think that's um, with the way that this is going to unfold. If they come in and there's so much. Uh, more advanced than we are technologically and they have medicines that we've never seen and they can cure cancer and they can disarm and they can, you know, take us, uh, keep us from going to war, at least temporarily. Um, people are just, they're going to voluntarily sign up for whatever these things ask. I mean, unless they're, unless they have the conviction, you know, that we do, or they have, um, you know, other uh, eyes to see what's actually taking place. So I don't, I don't think it's, um, if they were to come in and just all of a sudden um, start to, take over mankind um, I think it'll eventually get to that but I think that they're still building the infrastructure they're still the groundwork is still being laid um, because it is going to be a deception people will willingly choose to, to follow them you know versus following the, the God of the Bible
2: and, and I is, actually go ahead Justin uh, I actually think that the, the specific there. Um, the answer to your question goes right back to probably the most popular Bible verse ever quoted, and that's John 3.16. Uh, can, I, can I just quote this real fast? Sure. For God, sure. So, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now, the key word here is whosoever will. Okay, Whosoever believeth in him. So we know that in order to come into the door of Christ – we have to, we have to accept Christ. Now there, there's more to it than that in the Bible. There, there's quite a bit more to understand in theology, but the simplistic idea is that, you know, whosoever will, and we have this thing called free will. You know, we can choose every day what we're going to drink, what we're going to eat, what we're going to do. And that's part of this, this cosmic chess match is that the pawns in, in the cosmic war. You know, the human beings, if you want to call us pawns, I, I don't like using that terminology, but that's kind of what, what the fallen angels look at us as, you know, these We're entities, also the prize.
1: We're also the prize. We're the prize and the pawn.
2: We are. Absolutely. And, and the fallen angels look at us, you know, like notches on a belt, I imagine, these entities. And so they don't respect us the way that, you know, that we don't have the same character with them that we would because God sees us through Jesus Christ if we're, if we're, you know, born again. Uh, they look at us like, empty vessels that they can take over and that they can win over. And if they can win us, if they can get us to believe it in them to kind of take that Bible verse, if, if if we can just kind of go and believe upon them instead of believing upon Christ, then our souls are part of their kingdom in their mind and not part of God's kingdom. So it's a right. matter of the free will. This is a matter of the spiritual warfare that every human being has to face. Are they going to accept Jesus Christ or are they going to accept something else? At and this I point,
1: he, does, does Eisenhower know that these are not extraterrestrials, that they are, in fact, interdimensionals, or is he being fed a line as well, that these are ETs?
2: I, I believe that it's very – the fact that he had eyes to see the Majestic 12 documents, that the fact that he knew all about this uh, and that he had interest in these things, I, and, and not to mention Eisenhower was not a Christian. Um, so – I I really do believe that he probably saw these things as the old ones, the ancient ones. I imagine that that probably came up in conversation. I mean, listen, if you could have been in the room in 1954 or 55 when he met with these things, I mean, I think some of the the, the talks that they would have had would probably blow our minds, Richard. Uh, (laughs) I don't even know. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, all
1: right, we will take another time out. Justin and Westfall, researchers, filmmakers, Fourth Watch Films, higher entities. The Lost Tapes is the documentary, and if you go to fourthwatchfilms.com, all spelled out, fourthwatchfilms.com, you can purchase the documentary as well as the Hollow Earth Chronicles, Volume 1. Those are both, both available to stream or as DVDs, and uh, I think there's a special deal there. For you as well, we'll also open up the phone lines heading into the uh, the second hour and take your questions and comments, connecting the dots between the modern-day UFO phenomena and the occults. The Conspiracy Show returns right after this. My name is Richard Serrett.
0: From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett.
1: Thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi. Your parents' well-appointed rec room with a simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft. That greasy spoon just off the interstate. And your cabin in the woods. A big howdy to those of you tuning in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. Hey, you streaming us at zoomerradio.ca and the Zoomer Radio app. And those of you streaming us live on my YouTube channel... A Strange Planet, and those of you in the YouTube live chat who join us every week, almost without fail. However, and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Wes and Justin Fall, the Fall brothers from Fourth Watch Films, stay with us to discuss their new documentary film, Hidden Entities, The Lost Tapes. This is a chilling story which connects the dots between the emergence of the modern-day UFO phenomenon and an occult ritual performed by... Jet Propulsion Lab co-founder, Jack Parsons, back in the 1940s. Before we get back to that conversation, please take a moment and register at my website, strangeplanet.ca. Just your name and email, and once you've registered, you'll start receiving my free monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum. And we now have about 4,000 subscribers. It'll be delivered to your email inbox every month, and you'll also be automatically entered into a monthly draw for free Strange Planet merchandise. So again, just go to strangeplanet.ca and uh, there's a big button there. You just click on that and enter your name and your email address and you're done. I also want to take a moment and thank my Star Chamber Tier Patreon supporters, Denny Bladell and Kirk Chamel. Thank you both for your truly amazing support. Denny Bladell and Kirk Chamel. I tell you, it means so much to me. I can't begin to thank you enough for your unwavering support. Now, if you want to become an official Patreon supporter, go to patreon.com slash strange planet. And there are a number of donor tiers to choose from. All right, back to uh, Brothers Fall, Wes and uh, Justin. And uh, let's see, we talked about Eisenhower's meeting at Holloman Air Force Base with the Gray Aliens. They struck up a deal, the aliens, and we use that term in quotes because we're not talking about ETs. We're talking about interdimensionals, demonic perhaps. They were basically given carte blanche. They could come and go as they please into our airspace. They could abduct who they wanted to abduct. Now, why do they need to abduct us? What are they after exactly?
3: That's a great question, and that's actually what I, uh, <laughs> what I was trying to remember when I blanked when we were speaking last. I think personally that it ties into this whole transhumanist agenda that we're going to be – well, we're seeing it unfold today. And you know, as the Bible talks about, as in the days of Noah, so shall be the second coming of the Son of Man – well, there was a lot of that going on back then. And so I think we're seeing that come full circle. But for me, I mean, that, that's the only thing that really makes sense is that, you know, they're, they're trying to do these experiments. They're trying to learn more about the human genome and they're trying to ultimately, I think this is going to lead us into, you know, what the Bible talks about, the mark of the beast. And that's literally going to change people from being human into being a, into a, a transitionary state of transhuman, and then finally to uh, ultimately to, to being post-human. But I think that that's where that, that's going to lead.
1: Some people have reported, you know, that males have reported their sperm being removed, females, their eggs removed. Is there some sort of an alien, again, in quotes, and human hybrid program going on? In other words, are they trying to raise an army for the final, the Battle of Armageddon?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Matter of fact, Richard, I'm glad you brought that up because this is getting into a little bit of what our, our next project is going to be on. Uh, we're, we're about to get started on Hollow Earth Chronicles episode two, getting really into the deep underground military bases uh, where there's whole levels of you know chimera. Technology being engaged. I mean, you're talking about uh, levels where you're looking at these these animal human hybrids, which, by the way, this is not a conspiracy theory. This is a true conspiracy fact. You can go back. Uh, I mean, goodness, back as, as early as 2008, I was reading that parliament in the UK, the, the, the British parliament. You know, they were uh, saying that not only are they allowing the scientists to create chimera embryos, I, I'm using their language here they said chimera embryos so not only can they create them but parliament put laws in place to protect the scientists that were creating these abominations and yet further to protect these abominations that they were creating now this goes all the way back into the into the early 2000s mid you know uh, i mean i was reading about it in 2008 2009 but i mean this stuff is it's it's unbelievable because we do believe that there's things that are taking place inside the earth right now. We believe that there are uh, deep underground military bases that have levels that are so deep that only certain people, matter of fact, can access, such as Lieutenant Colonel Gregory Rinrich, who, you know, we, we talk about in the film, who who ended up having to not be in the film last minute because of some very, very threatening scenarios that were coming upon you know his family because of him talking.
1: Right. I, I, I do want to come back to uh to that gentleman. Uh, because you spend a little bit bit of time in the documentary kind of chasing him down and and hoping to get an interview with this elusive uh, gentleman. But um, I wanted to circle back to something you mentioned earlier. And as part of the negotiation at Holloman Air Force Base, uh, Eisenhower agreed that the the, um, aliens, quote, end quote, uh, could abduct uh, human specimens uh, but they 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 had to give the names of these abductees to I think you said Majestic 12. What was the purpose of that?
2: I personally think that it had to do with control, damage control specifically. Um, the government, you know, a, a non-existent meeting takes place and there's a, a deal struck, and that deal allows you know the the U.S. government to basically. Um, Sell out, you know, basically to sell people to the aliens, not by name per se, but allowing them to just take what they want uh, in that scenario. The government wants to know who those people are, probably for the sake of damage control so that they can kind of monitor, you know, that person, monitor that area, see if they're creating any buzz or any hype. And then even to further uh, make them look crazy. You know, because back then, you know, if somebody was running around talking about being abducted by aliens, uh, they would probably be looked at as the town drunk. Right. And so I I imagine that the government wanted to have their names for the sake of damage control solely.
1: All right. I want to try and wrap my head around something here, and that is the, the whole UFO disclosure movement. We're being constantly teased. And I I think, you know, a large part of me thinks we're being totally played here. Uh, In other words, let's go back to Roswell. First of all, they teased us, they issued a a memo, the Roswell Army uh, Airfield issues a memo saying we've captured a disk, a flying disk. And then they changed the story and said, no, it was just uh, an experimental uh, high altitude surveillance balloon to test for, you know, to, 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 um, detect nuclear uh, testing from the Soviet Union. Uh, and then they changed the story again and it was something else. Uh, so it's like this onion, layer upon layer upon layer. Uh, but these are these then, am I to understand, all cover stories because the ultimate truth at the core of, you know, beneath all of those layers, those onion layers, is the reality that we're dealing with, not extraterrestrials but interdimensional. So I guess my question is, who decided and when, to create this ufo cover story that we're still kind of being led along with
2: well that was part of the agreement uh, according to the family of eisenhower was that they could not disclose these things to the public so i imagine there was probably something in the meetings that, that would follow secret meetings that were not documented where they had to come up with solutions for the questions that were going to be brought forward and and i think that that's probably what happened i think that they were uh, they created some science fiction ideas uh to basically almost create an artificial narrative you know they manufactured this idea so that they could keep the public from knowing exactly what was going on and that was part of the agreement that eisenhower had with these quote-unquote gray aliens um the the gray aliens i i i want to just take a moment to say this i don't think we said this on coast to coast but uh from from my years of research um the gray aliens first and foremost they are the most popular uh image of an alien that you will see i mean people who don't believe in in any of this stuff they still know what a gray is maybe not by name but by by picture they would be like oh that's an alien that's that's kind of become the cliche uh image of an alien you know gray blue green but they all look You know, they all look like an alien gray. Uh, The reason I bring this up is because I believe there are two types, at least maybe more uh, types of gray aliens. I believe that there are uh, the intelligible grays, which are probably a a middle, you know, a mid-range entity. Uh, I also believe that the higher entities can shapeshift. I believe this is a biblical idea in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. We're told to be careful how we treat strangers, Richard, because we could be entertaining an angel unaware So we do know that angels can take on the form of man or on, you know, they can go back to their, uh, you know, original form, if you will. And so that when they appear as man, people don't get freaked out. But there's countless times in scripture where angels appear. Sometimes they appear as men, sometimes they appear as angels. And generally, when they appear in their their natural form, uh, it's the normal reaction of mankind to just fall down on the ground and worship these things because they are literally something so potent and so fearful uh, that we are not used to seeing anything like this in our rationalized world. But I do believe that those angels, the fallen ones, uh, could likely take on form to look like a lower entity in the event that they wanted to further a certain narrative. But then we have these greys. That are unintelligible. Now, these are the ones that so many people have experiences with, where they feel paralysis, they're surrounded by these, these gray aliens in their bedroom. Yet these things might as well be bobblehead dolls with batteries in them. I mean, they're moving around almost like a robot, yet there's nothing intelligible going on They're They're really, uh, they're not really doing anything. They're not, they're obviously not in control of, you know, there's something else controlling them basically. Um, and that's possibly what we might have seen. There is debate about the entities that, that were in the, the crashed disc at Roswell. Um, there's a lot of debate there. But if they really did get some bodies there, they would probably have been these uh, biological meat suits that would have been a mixture of alien and human DNA or even animal DNA, uh, which I call the unintelligible grays. And those are literally meat puppets. They're they body suits that a demon uh, or another entity could take over, if you will, and control like a remote control puppet.
1: Right, because if they if we're talking about demonic entities, they are spirit, right? They're not flesh and it is not against you know flesh and, and blood that we battle. It is against uh, you know spirits. So these are these are these recovered bodies, as you say. Uh, dead aliens, we're told, are, are not. They are just, they are, you call them meat puppets. These were inhabited by the, I guess, the spirit of these demonic entities.
3: Oh, well, we, 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 we have with different, there's different classifications, like some, like Justin was talking about, the little grays, um, and Stan Dale believes this as well, that they are just little, they're like fit extensions, if you would, for, for demons to be able to, to interact in this realm. But then, on the other side of that, like such as the nordics um those would fall under the classifications of actual um fallen angels of the the you know the sons the sons of God that the bible talks about and and they're um they're physical beings i mean in scripture it says that well one, they can uh, cohabitate with women um uh, but also they can eat um they they hold a physical shell you can act uh in what is it uh when they were in uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, they actually talked about lot grabbing one of them and like pulling them back in. So like they're a physical being. So I think we're dealing with two different things, uh, two different classifications there.
1: Right. And we've seen video from the uh, International Space Station uh, where we've probably most of us have seen this one, maybe on YouTube, where it looks like two UFOs uh, are are kind of having a dogfight and um, what are we witnessing there? Is that a battle between two different types of interdimensionals or angels and demons?
2: You know, it's tough to say because the question that you asked earlier, uh, actually several questions, um, I would just kind of draw to this idea that there is still a disinformation campaign going on here. And you know, being being a graduate uh, from film school, being trained in special effects, you know, Hollywood special effects, editing techniques uh, CG. Uh, I mean, these are all things that we were trained uh, professionally in film school. And, you know, I, it's really easy to create a video like that. I mean, and look, I don't want to sound too conspiratorial here, but it, it, you know, I, I just, I see that stuff and I'm like, wow, we could have made that really easily to push a certain agenda or to give, you know, conspiracy theorists something to just, you know, go nuts over. So I'm not fully convinced that that's actually real. I'm not saying that the, the background footage isn't real. I'm just saying like the actual composited images uh, of, of the alleged UFOs could have been faked. You know, but I don't know. I mean, there is war going on in heaven. I mean, I believe that there is ongoing stuff taking place in the heavens between good and bad. And, you know, I, uh, I think the, the biggest, the biggest fight, the biggest war is going on on earth because it is for our souls. You know, the, Satan knows that his time is short. He wants the souls of humanity he wants our allegiance and so i do believe there's there's going to be wars going on in the heavens between the good and the bad and 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 you know there's things we don't understand about all of that but i believe that it will probably be culminating even more as we approach the last days but i don't think it's going to look like two little silver disks you know chasing each other uh, like you know chip and dale fighting on the tree on the tree branch so right. i just i'm real skeptical about some of the stuff that they're releasing um and i think they're doing that strategically in line with the agreement eisenhower allegedly made where we will not disclose uh the fullness of these things to the public so you mentioned I, stan,
1: uh, sorry you mentioned stan Deo earlier stan Deo has been on this program uh he's a regular on coast to coast M- many people will know him about from his you know his survival um information and so forth but he was also uh heavily featured in your in your film and uh tell me about Stan Deo and what he was doing in Australia
3: Yeah um Stan was over there he was working for the aeronautical research lab in Australia um while he was there he was working on anti-gravity craft and just to give some uh some facts credentials he had a bopp Above top secret security clearance, uh, working with the FBI, he did some undercover work with them. Uh, worked exclusive black projects, specializing in anti-gravity craft. And then it's, it just keeps going on. Advanced propulsion engineer for marine, air, and spacecraft. Um, Stan's a great resource, and he's he's been on the ground. I mean, he's he's put the the time in. And um, what we found from him, he he confirmed a lot of things that we were finding. Um, some uh, some of that being the Eisenhower. Uh, agreement or the treaty of granada uh, because he was working uh stan was working in, in an underground military base in australia and um, he said that there he was aware of the agreements that, that were made and that we basically gave them we as in humankind uh, or governments uh, gave them underground facilities to work sometimes under ocean facilities as well and they would do that in exchange for for their technology and that's where the anti-gravity craft uh, tech came from uh, he talked about time dilation talked about uh molecular, molecular physics being able to walk through walls without breaking yourself and just crazy stuff like that but he said those were just like little you know basically toy technologies that they were trading um in, in exchange for their their space underground
1: now he worked on uh, in an underground base did he have face-to-face with these entities
3: he was not in direct contact with them. most of the information came from his um, from his security team and he talks he he has some really really insane stories um, about uh, even gun battles and things that took place um, but he did he did give one story that he told us because uh, he was breaking down the different types of entities that he was aware of and he even went forward um, to, well who was it the I think it was the former Minister of Defense up in your neck of the woods, uh, Richard, talked about 13 types Paul, of entities. Paul Hellyer, yes. Yes, sir. And so he, um, so he breaks down that. But the, the stories that he, he told about were, um, were secondhand involved in face-to-face contact with these things. But his, his one story, he was at the UN, and I think it was a, an economic forum or something like that. And he talks about being uh, in a room with these two really tall, It was a, a male and a female, and they kind of cornered him, and it was just him and them in there, and they started probing him on some different questions on uh the world economics and he said he just felt this this really strange uh you know denseness in the air he he said that he felt like he was a uh, a, a bird in a cage you know a canary in a cage, and that they were the they were the predators <laughs> and um, he he didn't see them out in the in the light one one give uh giveaway for the Nordic supposedly is that They have uh, like a shining skin or um, looks like uh, like, you know, rainbows on their skin uh, in the sunlight, um, which he didn't see them out there. So he can't he can't verify that that was the case. But um, but he is definitely um, definitely a solid source. And he's uh, he's put in a lot of time in this in this area.
1: All right. We are approaching uh, another break here. When we come back, I want to talk about another gentleman featured in the film. Uh, who has been a guest on this program as well as uh, Coast to Coast AM. And that would be Tom Horn, who appeared here just a couple of months ago. Uh, and he's got a rather harrowing tale. I mean, this story uh, hits pretty close to home for Tom Horn. Wait till you hear about that. Wes and Justin Falls stay with us from Fourth Watch Films. Back with more in a moment. Don't go away.
0: The truth will set you free, but first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrant. Welcome back. Uh, before we get back to our conversation with uh Justin and
1: Westfall, let's grab a couple of quick calls. And, well, this is part of the conversation, actually. Uh, let's say hi to Paul in Oshawa. Paul, welcome.
3: Good morning, Richard, and good morning, guys. How are you all doing? Perfect. Excellent. A hey, hey. uh, question I wanted to ask uh, in regards to the grays uh, in description of what you're talking about, that uh, maybe they're the servants of uh, another uh, type of species, say the reptilians or insectoids. Uh, did you ever follow to
4: see uh, really who's in charge of these guys?
2: When you go back to Genesis chapter 6 and, and we have these sons of God and that they're taking wives of, of you know daughters of men and, and their, uh, their offspring um, – yeah you know, we we have these different cultures of the world uh that are giving reptilian uh um, or or what some would call serpentine qualities or characteristics to their offspring and they're saying that these angels that engaged in the sexual sin uh that they and they also had uh what we would call serpentine qualities uh it's It's fascinating you know you, you look at some of these uh these skulls that they're finding these elongated skulls and some of them uh have what we would call a detachable jaw very similar to snakes. Now, there's just some very wild stuff about that, but I do believe that this idea of a reptilian, uh, you know, it goes back to the seed of the serpent, and I don't mean Cain. I don't believe Cain, uh, was the seed of the serpent. I believe that the seed of the serpent really took off in Genesis chapter 6, and that was the fulfillment, or the beginning of the fulfillment of the Genesis 3 prophecy. The war between Christ and Satan, which is going to be literally uh, that serpent, Satan, uh, the great dragon. And so, yes, I believe that there's truth to this idea of reptilians, uh, but in a biblical sense that they are part of a fallen race, uh, a race that was never meant to be on this on this earth. And that was a hybrid race. All right, Paul, thank you for
1: that. Let's say hi to Michael in Newmarket. Michael, welcome to The Conspiracy Show.
4: The question is this. These people that have made a deal, uh, deal with the devil, first of all, are they part of the Illuminati? And secondly, you said they want to bring usher in uh, the Antichrist. Now, I'm not asking specifically who it is, but what kind of characteristics uh, will this Antichrist bring at the end of the world then?
1: All right, Michael, good question. Go ahead, gentlemen.
4: Well, uh, a few
3: characteristics. Um, he's going to change times and laws. He's going to be very charismatic. He's going to be, um, you know, bringing in peace. Um, he's going to be conquering peacefully. Uh, we do see the, uh, the peace treaty with, um, that's supposed to take place between, uh, the Palestinians and, and Israel. So there's, there's a handful of, uh, you know, big things that it talks about that he's going to take place or that he's going to do. Um, and, it's also said that he'll
1: suffer a mortal, a seemingly mortal head wound, but then he will be resurrected.
3: Exactly. Yeah. So the the world is, and we kind of get into that and the belly of the beast as well. But he, um, yeah, he's going to be viewed by the whole world. He's going to be loved by the whole world, and um, and in the end, he's going to be able to call down fire from heaven and do some just amazing, crazy things that the world has never seen. It's going to flip the world on its head, really. Um, and that's one of the problems, uh, even within the church, there's a lot of people that don't have a supernatural, uh, biblical perspective. They just look at it like it's a, you know, a fairy tale and, uh, you know, bedtime stories. And so it's, um, I think that's also, and I'm kind of on a tangent, but I think that's the reason for their secrecy is because they took a big note from, uh, Orson Wells and HG Wells, um, War of the Worlds. they saw the effect that that had on society. People were committing suicide, you know, just, just crazy stuff taking place and, Uh, they have to incrementally get the world ready for it. Otherwise, it would just kind of implode.
1: All right, Michael, thank you for that. Let's grab another quick call. Uh, Wayne is in Oshawa. Wayne, good morning. Welcome to the Conspiracy Show. Hi, Wayne, go ahead.
4: Uh, Yes, sir. Um, Calling from uh, Hamilton, Ontario. Oh,
1: Hamilton, terrific. Okay, thank
4: you. Uh, Yes, I had an experience Tuesday evening, uh, this past Tuesday evening, about 8 p.m., just uh, at sunset.
1: All right. Tell us about what happened.
4: Uh, I was on my back porch having a cigarette, and I was up. It was almost dark. I was looking at the southern sky, looking at the constellation of Orion. I could see Venus over in the west. There were just a few rays of sunlight poking up over the horizon, and something caught my attention above, and this object went over head. It was massive. Uh, it was kind of lit a little bit from the sunlight that was hitting it, and I could see a bit of a glint on the one side. Uh, all I'm saying is that I don't know if it's them or us, but they're here. Something's here. There's something up, going on up there. This thing was massive, and it was very high in the atmosphere, and it's, it's changed my whole perception of what's really out there.
1: Did anyone else see it, Wayne?
4: Unfortunately, no, and I've been up every night trying to catch it again. Tonight it was clear. I, I couldn't see anything, but it reminded me of if you were standing at the bottom of the ocean and looked up and saw a super oil tanker go overhead. That big, eh? it, it was. It was massive, and it was very high up possibly outside the atmosphere because, like I say, the sun was just down over the horizon, and Whatever it was was very high up, and it it was very huge. If if you were to extend your arm up above you, it would be the width of two fingers.
1: All right. Did it make any
4: sound? There was no sound. There was nothing. It was just silent, and it just faded off into the darkness after when there was the sunlight. Uh,
1: All right. Now, well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, Gentlemen, um, that raises a good question. When we see these craft in the air... Are they ours or are they theirs, given that we made some sort of deal in exchange for technology?
2: It's tough to say. Uh, the thing is is that we know for a fact that the government for years has been operating with uh, what can only be explained as an unify, uh, unidentified flying object. I mean, clearly uh, they have I mean, all you got to do is look at some of the, you know the wartime technology that we operate with today. And some of those flying machines, you know, they had predecessors and they had, they had testing that went on that nobody knew about. Uh, but on the other hand, there are very much interdimensional vehicles, and I, I think we need to be careful to not discount that idea because the Bible uh, – and again, as, as a born-again Bible-believing Christian, I believe the Bible is a very supernatural book that gives us all the answers uh, where we have even good vehicles of transportation, uh, not just demonic. So there are, in fact uh, – not that we need to be trying to communicate with these things. I want to be very clear about that. but there in, in the Bible in ancient history, there were accounts of you know what we would call a good vehicle coming down uh you know you had uh Enoch that was taken up you had uh, Elijah that was taken up um you've got ezekiel 's wheel there there's some very interesting uh things in scripture, but I just want to encourage um what what was his i 'm sorry what was the name of the caller uh, I believe that was Wayne in Hamilton. Wayne, I just wanted to encourage Wayne, uh, you know, I've, I've got some stories uh, from some friends uh, who have kind of been in a similar situation, and they began to really want to get out there every night at the same time, trying to see it, trying to learn more about it. Uh, and, and, and a very close friend of mine personally uh, got very engulfed in this. And I just want to warn you, uh, a word of caution, if you don't mind, be very careful with this type of, of thing, because there are alleged – Telepathic psychic type powers that can be engaged spiritually upon people that are seeking you know to follow these crafts, people that are seeking to, to learn more and to watch them physically. I, I, I know a story of a, of a very close friend where he got extremely involved in this and it took over I mean I forget how many months it was taking place. he literally was almost bewitched by a force that came down from this particular UFO out in California. So I just I say, be, be careful, uh, you know, trying to go out there and trying to, to get too close to these types of things.
1: All right. Um, we're, we're, I got time for one more call. And then on the other side, we're definitely going to get to uh, discussing Tom Horn. But here's Pamela in, t- in the Volunteer State, Tennessee. Hello. Yeah. Pamela. Hey, oh, welcome. Hi.
4: Hi. Good evening. Good evening, gentlemen. Um, hi, wanted to ask. The, hi. I um, wanted to ask um, in the and Noah's day of course um, there were Nephilim that existed and I've read several, there's a book called uh, Nephilim, I think it's called Creatures of the Gods or something of that nature anyway, most of them were destroyed in the great flood of Noah's day but there still supposedly exist on the earth Nephilim today who are uh, being they're present on the earth but they're actually kind of hidden and they will be towards the battle of Armageddon Have you tied anything in with these interdimensional beings with the Nephilim?
2: Absolutely, absolutely Uh, Matter of fact, we do a good deal of breaking this down uh, Some of this down in Hollow Earth Chronicles uh, But uh, for the sake of time, I'll I'll just Quickly say yes, absolutely Uh, I also want to say that I tend to to follow The the less popular view, I believe that God destroyed all of them with the flood And then I believe in what happened was a second Incursion, I believe uh, more fallen Angels did it again after the Flood, and I think that nowadays They've gotten more creative with their technology Because nowadays, you know, you see these massive giants walking around uh, that's just not going to go well with the narrative that they sell today so i think they've gotten creative and and they've got smaller hybrids now people you know that look more like humans so uh but yes i do believe that they are waiting and they are part of the end game that will be released uh during the great tribulation yes man that is a great observation
1: Pamela, thank you so much for the call, uh, for checking in. Uh, uh, Wes, I think you wanted to weigh in, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wait till after the break. We'll come back sure. and uh, have you finish up on that point. And also, as I say, we'll get to uh, uh, talking about Tom Horn, a guest on this program, and uh, he's also featured in Higher Entities, The Lost Tapes, the, uh, the, the directors or producers of the film, Wes and Justin Fall, my guests, right
0: here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Curiosity, or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett.
1: We are back with Justin and Wes Fall, 4th Watch Films, higher entities, The Lost Tapes. And uh, so uh, I believe, Wes, you wanted to weigh in. Uh, We had Pamela who called in from Tennessee wondering about uh, the Nephilim. Uh, Supposedly they were destroyed in the flood. That was, uh, as I always say, God chlorinating the gene pool. He wanted to push the reset button because so much of the earth, not only humans, but animals were corrupted. Uh, mm-hmm. and, um, so then when did the second incursion take place of, uh, of, of Nephilim?
3: Uh, well, it just says in there and afterward as well. And so, um, there's, uh, there's a handful of different mentionings of, uh, of the fallen angels after the fact, um, in scripture. But the, the thing that I was going to bring into, him uh, to view here is specifically on the nephilim. We have um, the testimony from Greg Renrich, Renrich which um, he's the one who had the. Justin started talking about him, but he had the, uh, the above top secret clearance for um, Area 51, Groom Lake uh, S4, um, just crazy uh, clearances there. And and so he he's witnessed that the ten foot. Excuse me, I can't even talk now. The ten foot tall giants and uh, said that they had referred to themselves as the Nephilim, and that they were preparing for an intergalactic war with God, and they believe that they're going to win. And that was, he witnessed that in a deep underground military base. Um, to go further, just to show that this is a little bit bigger than just dealing with little green men, um, they weren't allowed to say the name of Jesus underground. So they, and they even had the, they were required to sign an affidavit of agreement on that, uh, that they couldn't even mention the name of Jesus. So there's, there's something bigger going on, but we we do uh, we definitely delve into uh, looking at the nephilim in this uh, in this film as well. All
1: right, Tom All connected. Horn. Right, right. Tom Horn from Skywatch TV, uh, publisher, author, has been on this program most recently talking about a uh, kind of a doomsday uh, comet that is heading our way. Um, he also is uh, is in the documentary and actually in the trailer that I saw, he he kind of warns you guys is you know be, be careful where, where you're going with this because mm-hmm. it's dangerous so tell us tell us about Tom horn and and how his family was impacted by this
3: sure well um, we love Tom he's a great resource invaluable uh, uh, but we reached out to him because he wrote a book called exo Vaticana uh, specifically that was the one that we were gonna um, Kind of pick his brain on and in that book he investigated the collins elite and he sought out the same thing that we were trying to, to get to the bottom of and in the process um he reached out to uh to a handful of people but um one of them was um let's see gregory richford uh he was an advanced flight specialist for ball aerospace a uh, massive contractor for the u.s government um, he caust- he cautioned tom against disbelieving in the collins elite type groups and then he was the one who issued issued the dire warning to be careful while he's investigating this. And the reason for that is because we were talking about those two different factions that we have um, with the Collins elite, and even further with uh, with Stan Day or sorry, with uh, uh, Ray Boucher and his uh, his contact with the DOD. Um, we find out that this is still taking place. And so when, when you have those two factions, you've got some. Who are like, yeah, let's just go do whatever it takes. We've tried the science and it's not doing as as well as we had hoped. So let's go ahead and just jump into ritual because it works. But then on the other hand, you have people who are cautioned against it and they're like, this is wrong. This is demonic. These are nefarious beings. We can't trust them. Um, so that was the big caution because when you're looking into this, we, you know, we might open up a door and it's, it's some people we don't want to talk to (laughs) or some people that don't want to talk to us. Um, but he had uh, he had cautioned us he passed that same caution along Um, but it did it gives it gives validity to this idea Um, another person was Nick Pope Um, you may have had him on your show before too but uh, former director uh, for the UFO studies group of military defense of Britain Uh, Nick as well cautioned against discrediting this information and he said that he knew of similar groups in Britain uh, that were running into the same things they that this is, in fact, real. This phenomenon is real, and it's demonic in nature.
1: So, what happened to Tom Horn's brother-in-law?
3: Yes, um, so that's a, that's a crazy story. This is a, the first time that he gave uh, that testimony on on video. Um, so, his sister, his sister Vida, um, she had some different visitations, a handful uh, around uh, thirteen years of age, um, and she had some visitations from Small grays when she was a teenager. So, you fast forward to. Um, I'm not sure how many uh, decades later, but she got married, and um her husband was let's see he was a he was a nuclear physicist and he worked for General Dynamics in San Diego, and then they had uh, shortly thereafter moved to uh, Los Alamos and he was doing some work there and so they're um they're visiting they're um you know he's home from work and they're having a couple of drinks and um, and she's telling this story of when she was a child. and so he listened to the the story, just your your uh, standard abduction scenario and um and so he followed up by saying you know what you just said is absolutely true it's re- it's real and he actually went further to say that he's actually working on um working on some of this very alien technology um for for their transport um he was he was reverse re- engineering constructing it exactly re- uh, deconstructing it and um so 48 hours later this is where it gets real crazy so he tells her that and 48 hours later, he's, uh, he's nowhere to be seen. He can't be found. She's, um, she's already reported to missing, um, you know, did the report and everything. And she's reaching out to Los Alamos. Hey, you know, where's my husband? I need to, you know, I'm worried. Um, Los Alamos couldn't give her any information. And so she, after, after so many, uh, after so much time passes, she's trying to get, um, benefits because she no longer has a husband. And she goes to social security and they're like, we need a death certificate, but Los Alamos couldn't produce one. So she's going back. She's going round and round in circles, trying to get all this uh, sorted out. Um, Los Alamos gets back in touch with her and says, "Uh, your husband died in a tragic accident. And we can't tell you the details of this. It can't be reviewed. And they couldn't produce a body either. But um, a few days after or a few weeks after that, she gets a call from social security and they say, "Hey, you're good to go. You don't need documentation. You don't need to produce a body. Um, you're you're good."
1: So they obviously had sur- they were under surveillance, and even in their own home. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely, and and the thing that blows my mind about this whole scenario is that. Uh, they just tried to sweep it under the rug and let it go, but she wouldn 't let that go i mean this is her husband and, and and he was the breadwinner, and so she starts rattling the cages up the chain of of authority in the government and more agencies are now getting attention to the fact that uh uh you know a high security clearance government worker has disappeared and and his uh, possible widow is trying to get money and so in order to just silence everything and just put it into her research they just they just gave it to her hey you know take this don't ever talk about it again all right we'll but take yeah. another time out and uh, we'll come back final segment with the fall brothers
1: fourth watch films right here on the conspiracy show don't go away In a few moments remain with Wes and Justin Fall from Fourth Watch Films tell us again how we can uh, screen your uh, your new documentary a hidden or hi, sorry higher entities the lost tapes
2: just head over to fourthwatchfilms.com all spelled out and, uh, you'll have access. We've got, uh, we've got our films available there for streaming. Some people are going to want to go watch immediately. And, and if you stream the film, you get to watch it in high definition, uh, which is really cool, especially with Hollow Earth Chronicles because you get to see all the, all the documents and all the, all the really cool B-roll and the footage that we present in high def. Uh, but I, I just want to say that, uh, there's so much we didn't get to hit on tonight. So many key elements of higher entities. There's just so much information out there. Um, so I really do hope people will take advantage of uh, checking out this film just to kind of get the, the deeper depths of what, we, uh, what we've researched here.
1: Well, we have about eight minutes, and we may try and squeeze in a call as well. But if you had to pick one of those elements that uh, we didn't discuss, which one would it be?
2: I would have to say Ray Boucher. Ray Boucher what? is a man of mystery. Um, he was the former head of MUFON. For his state uh, in Nebraska, and not only is he a, a former Anglican priest, a former Baptist minister, uh, he, is, uh, a he is a theologian. He's just a, a brilliant man, but he's also an exorcist, and he was very involved in the UFO community, still is, uh, more so from kind of the behind-the-scenes now but Ray Boucher was involved in all of this, uh, you know, back before there was the internet. Uh, there wasn't websites floating around when he was, you know, back in the day, he, he was like going out to meetings. He was, you know, reading letters and books and, and, and VHS tapes. Anyway, I say all this to say that because of his unique background, Ray was contacted by phone originally by two men who were researchers for the Department of Defense. And they wanted to meet with him and talk to him because they were, seemingly to be a modern version of the collins elite okay these guys were part of a bigger interdepartmental group that were now engaging in what they called satanic rituals being funded by our taxpayer dollars uh as well as private sectors but these some of these rituals were taking place in government facilities now this is pretty serious when you stop and think about the uh the eyewitness accounts that these two Department of Defense agents gave Ray, uh, they talked to him on the phone. They said, we got to meet with you. They met secretly in a hotel room. Uh, we, we get a full disclosure from Ray in the film, uh, but he explains the use of psychotronic weapons. Uh, Psychic abilities being uh, carved out in people. They they were actually looking for people that had psychic abilities that they would abduct, bring in, and really try to uh, use those abilities and and really push them to the limits uh, for government and military applications. They were trying to establish contact. Between certain individuals and certain entities to where people could use their abilities to contact these entities while sitting in these chairs, special chairs, what they would call psychic chairs. I mean this stuff, it's almost like uh, what we hear about that was taking place with Montauk. Um, but what's really interesting is that these men from the Department of Defense, they said that they were very concerned that this departmental group, this interdepartmental group, uh, they were concerned that they were now involved in some very satanic rituals involving human sacrifice. Richard? Human sacrifice on the watch of the Department of Defense on American soil, on government facilities, black, obviously black facilities, black sites. And he says that they were in communication with N.H.E.s, non-human entities. Now, when we go back to what was going on with the Collins elite, we say, well, that was a long time ago. But what's going on with that today? What's the current status? And my, my statement on that, the answer to that would be Department of Defense has been heavily engaged secretly. And working with entities, uh, doing everything that they can to try to uh, reach out to even new entities. I mean, when you, you know, I I don't understand how a group like this would continue doing these things, reaching out on new tests, you know, if they're dealing with the same entities. So what my belief is is that there's several key groups in the government. Uh, All of them are interdepartmental, and they've got different entities that they're working with, and that's why we have so many documents now. Uh, that have been declassified over 300 declassified documents of the FBI dealing with all manner of strangeness uh, matter of fact I was on the phone with Ray Boucher just the other day and he told us that he's been working with a guy who's former CIA he actually worked at a desk called the weird desk can you imagine a guy working for the CIA that everything <laughs> that comes on his desk I've, is just the weird stuff
1: yeah it's the real life x-files I've heard of that um I'm just looking at the uh, the, the live uh, YouTube chat room, and, and uh, Heidi weighs in asking, you know, for those not familiar with Montauk, the Montauk chair uh, there on the eastern end of uh, Long Island. Tell us a little bit about
2: Montauk. Well, there's a lot of speculation. Um, I think a lot of what happened there was uh, spiritual projections to where people were astral-projecting, uh, even, even against their will, if that's even a thing, that's just my theory. Uh, that there were uh, out-of-body experiences, remote viewing, stuff like that, taking place. And people that were uh, being abused, you know, spiritually abused in this scenario uh, and physically abused, Now, I believe that they were being forced into these projections. And so they, they really thought that they were experiencing these things, but it was actually a spiritual projection, kind of like uh, when uh, Satan was able to show Jesus the kingdoms of the world in just a moment of time. That's what I think was going on. Uh, but people involved in Montauk that were, you know, the abductees, they – it was very scary stuff. I mean, they really believed that they were traveling back in time from these psychic chairs.
1: Right. This There right. was an element of child so abduction. People were being supposedly swept off the street, uh, taken to this underground uh, base. Uh, it's also kind of wrapped up with MK Ultra, mind control, and so forth. Um, we just have a few minutes left here. And one of the questions that we didn't get around to was, I think, Wes, you mentioned this. Uh, The question was, you know, why did these entities make an exclusive deal with the United States?
3: My take on it is that um, we're we're pretty much uh, we've been set apart. as like the, you know, the world police, you know, the the head guys, the head honchos, the most powerful nation on the the world uh, scene. And so I think that that's probably why why uh, they reached out. Um, I really don't know. I, I don't. That's the best that I can muster.
2: I have to jump in real quick. And I believe the reason they chose the U.S. is because the United States, uh, is part of an ancient destiny, a secret destiny, uh, completely opposite of what we've been taught. Uh, I'm hoping that we can come back on and talk about that. Uh, matter of fact, I believe that the United States, uh, before its infancy, uh, you know, I mean, we've got ancient history on this nation, on the land. And going back to what you said earlier, Richard, about, you know, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. You know, the Bible says we're wrestling with these principalities, these, these, uh, you know, these entities, if you will. And I believe that the principality over this continent of uh America, you know, we're dealing with North America, you know, Mexico, Canada, there's this big chunk of land, I believe, is the land of the plumed serpent. And we've done a great expose on this. I'd love to talk with you about it more, but it has a strong role to play in end times prophecy. And again, these occultists know, these aliens, these entities, they know what's coming on the face of this earth, and they know that their time is limited. And so they are preparing right now, as as we've been told, for an intergalactic war with God, and they are wrangling in as many human helpers as they can for this last time's feat. And America plays a huge, massive role as the end times resurrected Babylon. All right. Well, gentlemen, uh, this
1: was quite a ride. And we will once again direct uh, listeners to Fourth Watch Films.com, all spelled out, fourthwatchfilms.com. There they can uh, purchase, they can stream it, they can buy the DVD. Higher Entities, The Lost Tapes, and uh, The Hollow Earth Chronicles Volume 1. Gentlemen, thank you again.
3: Our pleasure, Richard. Thank you so much. Thanks, Richard.
1: All the best, guys. All right, my thanks. Uh, to Carlos Cajun and uh, Ryan White, my live stream producer, back next week with a brand new program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.